Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, you may have noticed over the last three weeks we've had uh, readings from the end of Revelation. Uh, the, the reason we've done that is because even as we look to the year ahead, we thought, let's, let's look to where everything is headed uh, to keep that perspective, have that shining over everything we do. Now, do uh, re return your Bibles to Romans 12. If you've got those in front of them, that will be helpful while we're here together, even though that will also be on the projection. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. <coughs> Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your word spoken through the prophets in the past, uh, for Jesus himself, the word, and that his word continues to be spoken to us now by your spirit. Speak it into our hearts and minds that we may know you and love you and love others as well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to week three, the final week of our vision series for 2023, looking to 2023. Uh, something a little bit different for you. I thought we'd start uh, with a quiz. Yeah, that's right. Uh, striking fear into the hearts of all. Uh, it's going to be okay. We're going to help each other with this. Uh, so I want you to think, what is our church vision okay if you haven't been here before of course you don't know it that's fine but for those of you who have what's the short sentence that we use again and again that describes what we long for and serve towards as a church uh, have you got it in your mind uh, maybe you need some help uh, it's about transformation does that help uh, got it now uh, i'm going to kick us off then and i'm going to see if uh, you uh, can join in. Uh, it begins with the words we long to see. So can you say it with me? We long to see lives transformed through Jesus. That's, that's okay. That was awesome. Do you think that was awesome, Dave? Yeah, I was very impressed. It could have gone so wrong for me. Uh, now, there are two big picture ways that that happens among us. Uh, one that God has done in our lives when we trust Jesus, the other he is doing in our lives. And it's our prayer he'll keep doing in the lives of many, many others as well, because we're all going to be gathered at the end of the day, like we saw in Revelation. So can you think of what God is doing? Uh, it's got to do with disciples. We talk about it frequently. He's something disciples and something else disciples. Now, do you remember that? Uh, so let's say it together, something disciples, just kidding, we'll do it properly this time, God is making disciples and growing disciples, that is really encouraged, I'm really encouraged to hear you say that. Now, having done that to you, I'm not going to ask you to answer any more questions aloud, so that should drop your heart rate a little bit. Uh, in the next few minutes. But let me show you this again as well. I showed you this in our first week. Let me show you again the ways we're hoping to take our place as a church in God's great work of making disciples and growing disciples. 
Uh, and the thinking in, in showing you this and having it in our vision booklet from week one is that, that it helps us think through who we are and what our place is and therefore what decisions to make and what to do. And so it, it's shown as a bit of a pathway as we think about others that we have the opportunity to serve. We'll connect and uh, evangelise or gospel people with the good news. We'll uh, welcome people and be together. We'll be growing, uh, as we were just talking about, and we'll be serving together. So having said that, uh, and directing our eyes more down to Romans 12 that we're looking at particularly today. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer this out loud. What do you think of when I say the word worship? Now, it's pretty common for people to call what we do at church worship, uh, or even to be more specific and call what we do when we sing worship. And so some will talk about the time in church when we're singing the worship time. Uh, and I did Google this to see what I would get. On Google Images, you get heaps of pictures of people singing and all that goes with that. But actually, worshipping, worshipping God is much bigger than just singing, even much bigger than what we do when we church. Do you remember what we heard in Romans 12, verse 1? We read it last week. We heard it again today. Therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So worshipping God isn't just something we do some of the time. What does the Apostle Paul tell us in verse 1? After everything he's recalled, God has done in chapters 1 to 11. Offer your very lives, he says, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. That is true worship. Now, the thing is, as he says this, and we're quite a way you know, down the track, 2,000 years or so later, the people he's talking to knew exactly what a sacrifice was. Uh, it was something valuable you took down to the temple and gave up to God. You might eat it or cook it, but most confronting by far was when you had to kill it. The temple in Jerusalem, for example, was more like an abattoir than it was like this. But that is part of Christian worship no more. Uh, the last sacrifice has been made. Jesus himself was the last to die in order to satisfy God's justice for our sin. And in God's mercy, his death took place so we need not die to God. And so, brothers and sisters who trust these promises, we have the life, new life, through Jesus. And that means that worship hasn't contracted because now the sacrificial stuff has all gone away, uh, now that there are no more animal sacrifices. Worship has actually been expanded to include your and my living sacrifice. Our lives individually and our lives together as a church. We long for this. We do this. We live for this. This. Because of what God first has done for us.
Well, I wonder, and, and I did mention to have Romans 12 open in front of you, I wonder if you noticed the way Romans 12 is like Google Maps. I'm sure Paul had that in mind as he was writing it 2,000 years ago. Uh, think about what you do with Google Maps. Uh, you can start first with, uh, say, Australia, and then you want to look closer at where we are today. You can zoom in on EMU planes. Uh, and then if you want to see even more clearly uh, what's going on, you can use Street View uh, and see the individual houses. There's our house with one of our very you know, noticeable cars uh, out the front and where we are as well. Well, Romans 12 is a bit like Google Maps, uh, where verse 1 is the big picture, the overview the overarching summary of how to respond to God's love and kindness. And if you want to know better what that looks like, well, you can zoom in. Verse 2 zooms in and it divides uh, into two clear alternatives. And as David said last week, two ways to live in this life, but only one way to have eternal life with God. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And so what he's saying is, is you can think the way the world thinks and have your sh heart shaped uh, by what the world loves, or you can think what God thinks and have your heart shaped by what he loves. And the two are far apart. Don't do the first, do do the second. But if you, as you hear that, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, it still feels a bit like arm waving. It's just too abstract for me. They're just words. And you think to yourself, I really need this question answered. The question I really want answered is, what does that actually look like? Uh, and I don't think anyone would fault you, anyone here would fault you for asking that question. It's a good question. And the answer to that question is, well, click on Google Maps, go into Street View. Okay? Street View is verses 3 to 21. We looked at verses 3 to 8 last week. We've read them again today, but we're picking up particularly from verse 9 today. And what these verses show us is exactly what transformed lives look like and how to avoid the pattern of the world. So let me ask you, as you heard it read, as you've got it in front of you now, what did you notice? Uh, what did you hear and see in these instructions? Actually, instructions, is that too soft a way of putting it? Aren't they commands? Uh, did you notice there's quite a bit of repetition? Uh, that he says the same thing different ways and more than once. Did you notice the repetition of words like love and evil and good? In one sense, uh, it does seem to go around and around a bit, doesn't it? But if you want to live a transformed life, if you renew your mind through God's word as we are here today, if you want to test what God's will is, then all you have to do is travel along the street with me and we'll stop at a few of the houses that are along the way. Uh, the first has to be love, doesn't it? 
and not just because the NIV editors put love in action as the title. Uh, in fact, they should have put it back in verse 3 because verse 3 to 8 is all about love as well, but we looked at that last week, so we'll come to verse 9 onwards. But verse 10 spells love out for us, doesn't it? Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. How do you do that? Honour one another above yourselves. So when you ask yourself, what does it mean to be devoted to one another in love? Uh, isn't the answer to honour one another above ourselves, to put others before ourselves? Isn't it setting aside what I need or want and prioritising the other person? I've seen, uh, I can tell you, such uh, wonderful examples of such love among us and over time. Uh, just the other day, some of us were talking about this, this same passage, and one of the men there told us he's not able to do some of the things others do to serve at church, but, but this is what he does. This is his priority. He knows some of the other men he knows live alone. They don't have other people in their homes to talk to like he does. And so what he does over morning tea is he makes his way to this one and to that one and has a chat and has a listen and he just spends time with them. It's great, isn't it? It's not rocket science either, is it? Uh, it's, it's fundamentally how we love each other when we put them above ourselves and, you know, whether I wanted to speak to that person because of how they make me feel or do this thing because I like it. It's how we go about doing us. What the NIV editors did get right with their heading is that everything said in verses 9 to 21, even if it doesn't use the word, is a worked example of love. Even those that might not use seem to have an us in them at first glance. Take verse 9. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hating what is evil and clinging to what is good is part of sincere love. Rejecting what's opposed to God and his word, walking in step with the good that is an ever-flowing fountain from God, you could argue that you can hate evil and cling to what is good with no one else around, that there may not be an us here, that if there's occasions you can think of, you can and you should. Uh, God's for that. Do that. But is there anywhere we can go where our Heavenly Father is not? Uh, is there any thought, action or attitude of which he's not aware and that affects our relationship with him? And besides that, remember what Jesus said. He said about what comes out of the heart, what's in our inner selves is what determines what comes out of us, either the pattern of the world or the transformed life as we live with and love others. By God's mercy, we can turn away from the first and allow ourselves to be shaped by the second. 
You okay if we travel a little further down the street now? Actually, that was asking you a question that I wanted you to answer out loud, but I said I wouldn't do that. Uh, I'm going to read from verse 11 to 13, and as I read this, I'm not going to say any more about it uh, at this point. We're actually going to stop at a house further down the road. But as we travel through, uh, I just want you to listen and hear. Recognise the different houses along the way. Notice what they look like. Commit them to memory uh, for when you need to recognise them again. Verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, as we're hearing God's word today, it reminds me of something we talk about regularly uh, here at church, something that is itself shaped by God's word. That's where it came from and just trying to give us something helpful to help us think through how do we do this day in and day out in a helpful way and, and I've called it for want of a better name our discipleship tool uh, what we aim to do as a church and as individuals the thing I like about it is you can use it in any sort of situation whether it's with an individual person or a group of people or you can pretend you're holding up a mirror and seeing yourself and you can use it for your own discipleship uh, and it's based on the knowledge that what God wants for every person, though not all will accept it, but what God wants for every person is that we would be mature in Christ. I wonder if you could learn this uh, to say it to yourself and use it, saying, if that's the goal, here's the person in front of me. And ask myself, where are they at? What are their life circumstances? And then reflecting to myself, well, what does God's word teach me about how I can bring his word to intersect with their lives? Ask yourself, how can I serve them to take the next step towards maturity in Jesus? And isn't that, isn't that love in action? A tool uh, to meet all sorts of different situations, all different sorts of people. And now having said that, that brings us to the last half of chapter 12. Perhaps here is the ultimate test of love. How do you treat those who don't treat you well? How do you love them? We could be talking about someone you haven't spoken to for years. We could be talking about people who are neighbours uh, and the like people you do life with. We could be talking about fellow disciples as well as those who are not yet. And of course, we could even be talking about the people we live with and the people we church with. Now, isn't the greatest test of whether love is sincere, our love of God, our worship of God, our willingness to be living sacrifices, 
in how we act when we're called to love those who don't love us. In fact, who have or want to harm us. Let me read from verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I mentioned those who don't treat us well, they can be in our own families or in our church. Uh, and I, I draw that to our attention because being followers of Jesus doesn't exclude us from having conflict with each other. And it's worth saying at this point that conflict doesn't have to be hurtful or harmful either, but uh, some conflicts certainly are, and we've all had that experience. Being followers of Jesus doesn't exclude us from having conflicts with each other, but it's what we do when we experience them that reveal the transformed life God is working in us. The pattern of the world is to pay back what you've received with interest. The transformed life is to pay back evil with good. You know, even when you do that, when you pay back evil with good, you can still be served up more evil. Uh, no promise is given that that will change in this life. But what are you doing when you persist in returning good for evil? when you bless those who curse, when you mourn with the mourning, when you rejoice with the rejoicing, even if they don't deserve it, even if they would not do the same for you, you are imitating the one who is the source of life itself. You're drawing from the deep well of the mercy with which God has shown us mercy as undeserving as you are or I am, you are dying to living for yourself. You are offering your bodies as living sacrifices which are holy and pleasing to God. Some years ago uh, now, I remember one of my kids was at one of our church uh, activities and there was a thing that happened between him and a leader uh, you've got to be careful when you're telling uh, stories as a, as a minister, as a preacher, as a parent. Uh, you can get a lot of uh, kickback from the people involved. But I want you to know that I have three sons, so I haven't been specific about which one, okay? And if asked, you'll report that back. Uh, and we knew 
our children, when this happened, we knew our children are as capable of being rude and sinful as we are. Uh, so we encouraged him in how to approach it, how to put things right and how to apologise to the leader. But you know what happened? Uh, when they had an opportunity to see each other, before he had a chance, uh, that leader sought our son out and he apologised for his part first. That's fantastic, isn't it? Plenty of adults wouldn't do that. The divide between being an adult and a child means plenty wouldn't even think that that was necessary or think instead that they can get away without doing it. But that is not how we do it. Because of God's transforming love for us, we can love each other and others, even when they don't love us, just as our God has done through Jesus. Love... Love is the great leveller. Love is the great motivator. And so we come to our vision for 2023. And that is that our actions will be shaped by love. God's love for us, driving us to see opportunities to love others and to act on them as we are able. That's why our vision booklet, the first uh, booklet that we handed out, has the responses we invite you to share with us together as a church. The response of praying, as we heard Paul write in Romans, to pray faithfully. I don't know whether you've thought about it, but as you pray to God and as you pray for others, you indeed are loving them by your dependence upon God to act and by what good things you are asking him for those for whom you pray. Uh, the response of serving, which is at the very heart of love, isn't it? Of giving, so that the things that we give toward under God may come about in his good timing and growing, taking responsibility for ourselves, each for our lives before God, that we would be growing disciples of Jesus and in that way love our brothers and sisters who are doing likewise. Now this is why uh, in our particular plans for the year ahead we've, we've set aside uh, money uh, and, and are raising money to continue our leadership staffing and targeted ministries and uh, improving our facilities and grounds, as well as to give to mission and ministry beyond our area, as we also give of our prayers and give of our people. And particularly uh, this year, we're praying that God would lead us to an appropriate person to coordinate our youth ministry. So we can love people better, students in that high school age range, those who are disciples already, and we pray they, those who are not yet. This is such an important age and stage for them, just as all ages and stages are important. Uh, but that is one of the things that we long for as we continue to chart the course on which we've already begun. And everything we talk about, anything we do, we must do dependent upon God. 
for the love that we have the privilege to show others is driven, is from, is given by the God who loved us. And so let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your life-giving word. We thank you for the way in which we are reminded of Jesus and your love in Jesus, of him giving himself as a sacrifice who died so we need not die to you. We ask us, uh, we ask you that you would teach us uh, to see opportunities to love both those who don't know you yet and those who do and give us uh, the gifts that you have promised us to meet those needs in loving service. And we pray, Heavenly Father, use us in your great plans and purposes to gather so many people that they can't be counted on that last day when we will see the new heavens and the new earth. We pray in Jesus' name.